Blog Talk Radio. Ray and Tay today. Yes, Sports Radio's on, talking sports with friends, and you know we got it on from the NFL to the NBA, MLB and college hoops do it all day, college football, we know who's number one, understand, on the phones, you know we get it done, so call in 718-664-9098 and we'll give you more. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. You're listening to Ray and Tay today, and I'm Ray Tall Rayside. And I'm Tay, Eric Taylor, and it is a manic Monday. Give us a call, 718-664-9098. Like always, Today at gmail.com. You want to send us your World Series or NBA Finals picks? That's where you do it. Check out com, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, iTunes, Facebook, we're very so- social gentlemen, so we have a fun show. Before we get to the previews of the baseball and the NBA, we got to talk a little college football and NFL. Ray, everybody's talking about it. It was the number one thing of the NFL weekend on Twitter. And in a 6-6 tie, seems like a comedy of errors. Did you enjoy or were you more disgusted by watching the performance of the Cardinals and Seahawks on Sunday Night Football? So I actually heard something very interesting. And it was your guy, Ryan Clark, on ESPN after the game. And he said something to the effect of both offenses were terrible and they didn't deserve to win, so they didn't. And both defenses were awesome, and they didn't deserve to lose, so they didn't. And therefore, the tie was the only way to end this game. (laughs) So you can't really argue with that. The defenses played outstanding. I mean, these were two of the most impressive defensive performances maybe in years. And then the offense, you could argue your Cardinals – on offense, move the ball statistically from a fantasy perspective. Any way you look at it, 20 right, to 20, 20 or to 20. 30 to 30, <laughs> they did great. 300 yards for Palmer. David Johnson, by the way, David Johnson, the new. He's the guy. I mean, he's he the new the Ron Stud in the NBA, in the, NBA, in the NFL. Uh, <laughs> but you know what? I don't think, I'm okay with this game ending in a tie. I don't think that. I saw somebody said that they should go, Russell Wilson said they should go to like a field goal kicking contest. You know what? The game has to end Nobody at some point. It's a brutal game. You can't have these guys go. I mean, it's a playoff game, obviously. You go until somebody wins. But you, you have to end the game at some point. I mean, these guys played, what is it, 60 and 15, 75 minutes of football. That's enough. That they they got to come back next week and play. So I'm okay What's with What's amazing, though, Ray, is the Seahawks defense being on the field for almost twice the 40, amount of minutes of the Cardinals. Yeah. yeah, like 48 minutes, and they still, still were, like, not giving up nothing towards the end. They were really stingy and good. But, look, some criticism. Let's, let's you know. Oh, there's definitely criticism. Well, Bruce Arians, we both were texting back and forth about this. Call the timeouts and try to get in field goal range to go for field goal to end the game so you don't even go to overtime. But then the other issue that I have is – as soon as J.J. Nelson catches it and gets down there, kick it then. Don't do the 
the run play to the hash mark, which totally didn't help, and then you get the, the delay of game penalty. You're like, who's sleepwalking? I, it was really a comedy of error, errors in a lot of ways to me. It was, you know? but I think more than anything, it was two really good teams and two outstanding defenses playing, and they knew each other. It was one of those Pittsburgh Steelers, oh, yeah. Baltimore Ravens five. games. You know what I mean? It was one of those. Yeah, no. it, it was I just agree. a knockout slugfest. And somebody had and we to like, lose, but nobody like did. Like <laughs> <laughs> no, we like games like that. So let's, you know, keep it moving and get to the the rest of the NFL schedule. And I guess, you know, one of the bigger stories is finally the Vikings lose. And we knew it was bound to happen. I guess the the thought is with the Eagles getting that win, one, their defense looked really good, the pass rush, Fletcher Cox and the boys. But, you know, Carson Wentz wasn't blowing anybody away. But the Vikings coming off the bye looked like they were still on vacation. But I think some of these injuries are starting to catch up to them. And I don't, you know, I I don't know if you were overreacting and, and I don't know if I want to overreact because it's just one game. But I don't think... I think they're going to get healthy, but I, I think their defense has to play lights out every week for them to win. And Bradford had a, not a great game. So I give Eagles credit, and maybe it says a little bit more about the Eagles, but I don't write off the Vikings. I, you know, I'm not, you might be right because you said that they're not really special or you're not afraid of them. How do, how do you see it kind of a day later, kind of breathing, just, just meditating on it for a minute? Well, I tell you what, this Vikings team is good, but they're not good enough. If you need – their defense is, is really good, right? And the Philadelphia Eagles were challenged by their defense and thought that they could outshine the number one defense in the NFL. But the problem I have is with their offensive line, which was soft. That needs help, and, uh, yeah. They were called to task on that. But more importantly, if you need a first down, who is getting it for you? Jarek McKinnon on the ground, Matt Asiata on the ground, Sam Bradford to Stephon Diggs to Kyle Rudolph. You know what I mean? I don't think that this team is equipped in the playoffs to beat two, potentially three really good teams. So that's why I think that there's a ceiling to this Viking squad. You can't lose Adrian Peterson. You can't have – you know, question marks on Khalil and all these other guys. Yeah, Ryan no, Khalil, right. you can't That's, lose yeah. all these guys and still be able to compete in January. So, But I Ray, like in the NFC, team. who's beating them? Is it the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Cowboys? As as, they can play as, with all of those teams. The Packers? I don't know. You think, you think they're tough enough to play against that Seahawks team you saw last night? Even with their problems, Russell Wilson's leg's going to get better. His ankle's going to get better. And he'll no, figure out that's how to get why I Graham picked the Seahawks the- to go to the Super Bowl. I don't think, I don't think honestly, the way their defense is and their offensive line, no offensive line is really good except for, like, Cowboys, Steelers, and, like, three other teams, right? So I think the offensive line is going to get slowly better. I think they need to work on their screen game, but they've got talented receivers, and Jimmy Graham is starting to get better. And you're right, Russell's going to get healthy. The defense is insane. So I don't know if anybody could beat the Seahawks, but I think the Vikings, one thing they have is that defense scores points. It's not just a good D. They also, you know, turn it over and they score. You can't so rely I think on that in the playoffs. 
You no, know, no, you I'm can't get long but they're going to be in any game. They're going to be in any game. All right, we shall see. Hold on, we have a caller might want to chime in yeah. about some football. Well, they might be ready to talk NBA. That's right. <laughs> Hello, caller, you're on the air with Ray and Tay. Yeah, Ray and Tay, you should be talking about the Knicks. I mean, come on. There we go. <laughs> Friends to the show. Al uh, Trollick, how are you? I am good, man. How are you? Oh, great. Doing great. We're actually uh, about to start our NBA preview segment. Well, I didn't want to break up the whole Minnesota Vikings talk, but I I feel like I have to. Oh, please. Oh, great. Anytime. Let's go. Let's talk NBA. (laughs) So let's do it. All right. Well, we've got (laughs) – go ahead. No, Al, first of all, amazing and great job during the Olympics. We appreciate you coming on before – thought the coverage and everything you did was amazing and wonderful. With the Knicks and the NBA, two things. You said what you said on our show about the Warriors and their their team being thinner. So far they're looking like they're going to be pretty solid. But it's more about Cleveland to me because if they've got the eye of the tiger and the hunger, the question really is can Batman and Robin, or some people want to call them the Wonder Twins, beat the Fantastic Four. How do you think going into the season, Cleveland's uh, hunger and thirst for a repeat is is brewing in their their bellies? Oh, boy, that's really hard to gauge. I mean, it would be, to me, it would be human nature for it not to be as strong. I mean, how could it be as strong as coming back from 3-1 down? I I, I don't know. I think that that, that's going to take some time to build and, and gauge. Um. You know, I read some of the comments from J.R. Smith, for example, you know, admitting that he, he went through all sorts of weirdness when he was with the Knicks, and obviously he's become a lot more mature, and he, he played like it. And, um, I, you know, I, I'm not really good in the in the whole prediction business. i, I got to see it. That's fair. Fair enough. So, Al, let me ask you something. The East looks like, you know, you've got a super team at the top in Cleveland, and you've got some up-and-comers in Toronto and, um, you know, then maybe Boston, maybe, you know, and, and then the, la- the rest of the East looks a little bit, uh, you know, up for grabs. And in terms of the West, so I'll get back to the East in a sec, but in terms of the West, we have an interesting scenario. We've got the Clippers, who I said talent-wise are, are there, but they just can't get over the hump. You got the Spurs, who are probably aging a little bit, and you know a changing of the guard. So, who in in either conference, uh, who's out there that we that we don't think about? That we don't. That who, is there anybody that can come up and surprise us? Is there anybody that last year's Toronto in the East, or let's say uh, you know who surprised? I don't know Oklahoma City in the West. Are there any surprises in the East and the West that we're not talking about preseason that we should keep our eye out on? Well, the one thing you can't gauge is, is there a team out there that's going to completely buy into the team concept and try and win that way? I mean, that's how the Boston Celtics are going to play. And the Boston Celtics that I saw at the Garden were pretty impressive. I mean, Al Horford, to me, is one of the most perfect acquisitions that I've seen in a long time. Um, So I, I like the Celtics. I mean, let me ask you a question. I mean, if the playoffs began today and LeBron James got hurt yesterday, the whole thing is out the window. Yes, Very true. Right? I mean, so uh, I'm not saying, like, like for example, if you're the Knicks and um, 
you've got the players that they've got who have something to prove, and there was a, a key injury here or there that didn't include them. I don't know. They could do something. You know, San Antonio, they've got a little bit of a LaMarcus Aldridge issue right now, which to me, one season in is a little odd. Right. They're getting older. So, I want to see, what, ha- I wanna see what happens to Golden State when they when they have a little adversity. Yeah, sure. Or somebody turns an ankle and, and their rotation gets a little bit uh, screwed up, right? If Clay Thompson misses a few games, then, you know, we we know about Durant. We know about Curry. What happens if Draymond Green gets hurt a little bit? He's yeah, I mean, you know, think about Maybe the most important player. Think about, you know, like to me, the Memphis Grizzlies are an X-Factor team. They've got an undrafted rookie in their starting lineup, which is crazy. But they do. And No, definitely. <laughs> It's uh, but let me ask you this though, because this is fascinating. Your thoughts on Hornacek, but then kind of bringing in, uh, was it seven or eight new players, with Derrick Rose, you know, sort of the case kind of behind him, but missing a lot of uh, practice and training camp. Where do you think we are for opening night compared to maybe Thanksgiving in terms of? him running the team and the flow of the team, and then how much do you trust Brandon Jennings? A lot of turnovers, but he looked very good in preseason. Yeah, I thought he looked really good. And uh, I think when he's put into a backup role, he's going to even look better. And uh, you have the comparisons between him and Derek Rose. But uh, the Jeff Warnesek thing I think is a pretty big factor. Uh, I don't remember which game it was, but there was one preseason game where the Knicks tried to finish it out with five bench players in the game, you know, like Ron Baker and players like that. <laughs> and their spacing and the way they moved the ball and everything I thought was at a very high level, and they wound up winning the game. And to me, that, that, that's the mark of a good coach. Um, I think you, you guys and I have talked about, you know, after a timeout, I thought the Knicks did some really good things after timeouts and dead balls. Um, I don't know, I just thought they were all good signs. And I think he he just comes across as a a very normal, likable guy, which on a human level is where you have to start. Jeff, uh, Coach Arnison, how do you think, now you're no medical doctor, but how do you think that uh, Derek Rose is going to be physically, mentally, and the fact that he's on a one-year contract, essentially he wants to prove to the rest of the league that he's the Derek Rose MVP of uh, four years ago, and how close does he get? Well, I think that, you know, his ego has taken a major hit at a pretty young age. Um, He's dealt with, obviously, the the very severe injuries, which if it hasn't put the the mortality knowledge in his head, then I don't know what. So he has to know that if he's physically able, that's a gift. He's in New York with a franchise like that in a starting role at his age, that's a gift. On a one-year contract, I think that for the Knicks is a gift. And we're going to get, I think, the most freed-up, focused abilities of what he's got. And whatever that is, it is. I mean, I think it could be highly beneficial. I mean, I, I, I just, I, I still don't understand what the Bulls were doing, unless that locker room was an absolute disaster. Or they miscalculated what this trial was going to be like. I don't know. 
Yeah, or or maybe he and Jimmy Butler <laughs> didn't get along. Nobody talked about it, and they had to make a make a decision, make a call on one of them. I think they're probably tired of the Kobe. injuries, though. You know, because look, they've got to be tired of relying on him, and he's always injured. And then when he's gone, Jimmy Butler was stepping up and taking the reins and the control of the team. So I think it was for them. And, and Noah being injured all the time, too. I think they were just at a place where they were ready to, you know, go forward. And, you know, it might be the wrong move. I mean, we'll see how Wade and Rondo and that, you know, organization moves forward. I'm not too sure about uh, Hoiberg as a coach, you know, with his philosophy compared to the players they brought in. But speaking of, of Noah, Al, how did you think he looked? I mean, obviously he missed a bunch of games, but when he came back, I, w- I was pretty impressed at his performance. Um, what do you think he's going to be a, at? He's a tre- tremendous intangibles guy. I mean, I don't know why talking on defense is such a problem, but the Knicks have had an issue with that for years. And yeah. the one thing that you, you should really try and do when you listen to the Knicks now when he's in the game, he's talking all the time. And that is a big, big thing. And then what he does rebounding and what he does passing, he's really, really good at. I mean, the Knicks don't need him to score. Uh, yeah. I almost think back to the Tyson Chandler days where suddenly the Knicks started to communicate on defense. They started to they started to play as a team, and it was all because of one guy. Yeah. So maybe Noah had well, to And also back. Jason Kidd, too, yeah. Chandler and Kidd when they had that team. Right, and then, you know, what ultimately doomed that Knicks team was was help defense and who looked bad when the help defense wasn't there and what the, the design of the defense was and – I don't know. The human mind is a complicated thing to try and figure out. <laughs> for sure, for sure. So, Al, how do you feel about Kristaps Porzingis? I think, you know, you don't see, like, a lot of extra, you know, weight on him. Supposedly he's stronger, and the, to me, the three-point shot looks a little bit better. But I, one thing that I notice, and I'm hoping Hornacek does, I want Porzingis, because I feel like he might defer so much as a starter, but I want him to play on the court without Carmelo, so he's sort of our number one option. Do you agree with that, and do you think he'll get that opportunity from Jeff Hornacek? Well, I mean, he will from time to time, but, you know, they're going to start the game. So, you know, right from the get-go, they're on the court at the same time. I mean, their love affair is complete. You know, we, we I think, have used the word trust, which is the most important word in sports. And Carmelo has trust now like he hasn't had since, well, for a while. I mean, he's 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 going to trust Derrick Rose. He's going to trust Chris Stapps to hit the shot. Um, Right. And and, and listen, I can't tell you how many guys in the league use that word. It's unbelievable. But when it's not there, you're just not winning. You're just not. It's the most important word. And money factors into it and – slumps factor into it and everything factors into it and I, I know Carmelo trusts Porzingis there's every reason to trust him and, and let me his repertoire is so much better and he did a smart thing you know when you start you know building muscles in your body everybody's body is designed to have certain stress levels on their ligaments their bones their tendons and if you build your body to something that it really was never meant to be you know you expose those ligaments and tendons and muscles to to breaking down and he decided to build up the things that won't affect that, and that's his, his lower body, which you may not be able to see. But I think we, we can see it in the way he moves with the ball. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw, uh, it was the last preseason game, I think, against Brooklyn. 
He steals the ball at the free throw line and goes the length of the floor for a reverse layup. I mean, yeah. are you what? <laughs> no, it's exciting. I'm excited. It's 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 hard not to. Get, let me tell you, diehard Knicks fans. It's really hard not to, you know, kind of to dream. You know what I mean? Like this is the type of season where we could be pleasantly surprised. And and I agree with you always saying that. Look, you could be one injury away. You know, look, we but we make really our not. thoughts they're, and our predictions. They're really not. I, I said to uh, Wally and Alan Hahn uh, watching the game the other night. I said, I don't ever wish for it, but if both Derrick Rose and Brandon Jennings were out for a, a brief time, I really wouldn't be that worried about Ron Baker running the team. You've got to watch this guy. He is. No, yeah, four years at Wichita State. He's a savvy veteran. No, I meant other teams, like when you bring up LeBron getting hurt, like that, that if, you know, Paul George, you know, we're going to have to battle with the Pacers and Celtics, and I like Jalen Brown, the Celtics rookie, but I think the Knicks, uh, 10, 11 deep, and you're right, the talent and, and, and I think improved shooting because Baker can come in and, and knock it down, and he plays defense, which we saw, you know, with Gary Marshall, Wichita State. So I'm just saying it's very – it's tempting, right, you know, for uh, Ray and Tay, as Knicks fans, we get very excited that this could be a special year. But, you know, you, like you said, we'll you have see. to wait and yeah, see yeah. improve it. I just don't think that the Knicks in a really long time have had – the number of players who fundamentally play the game right. That, that, you know, and that's where, that's where Baker fits in. I mean, I can't believe we're talking about Ron Baker, but we are because I brought him up. And he knows where to be. He knows where to play. And but also, if you, Alex, you think about it, we've got an interesting – I mean, it's, it's like a drama. And, you, you know, you said it – you said an interesting point about one injury away – it's not bad that in the Eastern Conference, the Cleveland Cavaliers have already won their championship, right? So the monkey's off their back. They've won it since 1960. Maybe, maybe the Cubs will win it too. Uh, I'm sorry, the Indians will beat the Cubs, and the, and the Indians will have won their first title since 1948. So Cleveland will be fat and happy. <laughs> and you know what? Like you said, one injury away. Knicks A are deep, but they're also, I think, at a point where – You've got Derrick Rose with something to prove. You've got Carmelo Anthony who came in the league in, in 03 now thinking to himself, wait a minute, you know, m- my days as an elite player might be, uh, you know, uh, I'm on the downside of my career, let's put it that way, um, more, more good games behind me than ahead of me. So Noah who wants to win a championship. So you've got this collection of veterans, and then you've got Porzingis. So you've, you've got guys with something to prove. You've got a deep roster. And you've got an Eastern Conference that really has one elite team, and then the rest is the rest is up for grabs. So well, I mean, it, let's it, just consider the starting lineup. All right, the Knicks they start, they go up the floor. You can envision four of the starting five hitting a shot, and you can envision the fifth guy grabbing the rebound on a missed shot. I think that's a pretty good way to start. I love yeah, it. Yeah, not a lot of teams have that, by no. the way. The, the willingness and the ability. No, and I don't want to – I mean, I work at Madison Square Garden, obviously, and I want the Knicks to do well. But I, I really think Phil Jackson, who got absolutely hammered by people when he first took the job and made his first few moves, and I didn't understand all of them, but looking at where the Knicks were and where they are right now is yep. it's be almost patient. magic. <laughs> 
I told people you have to be patient and have a little bit of faith in Phil. Now, look, he kind of couldn't get Marcus Saul, couldn't get other free agents, Aldridge, but, the, you know, it's a new landscape with the free agency, you know, now. So what he did do was make, you know, very savvy strategic trades. And, you know, people said, oh, well, he just gave Shumpert and Jr. to Cleveland. You know, I think he, he was waiting and he was able to, you know, sign – solid guys like Kyle O'Quinn and, you know, even Aaron Afala last year who didn't come back to us, Galloway, and just kind of like build. And they got, they kind of almost got lucky with Chris Stapps and But it was not luck because I think it was a great draft pick and really smart. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things. I want to ask you this, though. Do you think Courtney Lee might be our unsung hero, a solid two-guard that wants to play defense but can hit a wide-open jump shot and three-pointer? I'm very excited about Courtney Lee. I always have been a big fan of his, um, and I've liked what I've seen from him in preseason. I like his attitude, and um, I don't know. I, I just, I, I just really like it, and um, I can't wait to see what we see tomorrow night. And, you know, that's going to be an emotional buzzsaw for sure. And you, you know, you can see it going one of two ways: either the Cavaliers are so pumped up because they got their rings, and the Indians are playing next door, and they just have all this adrenaline. Or that they're exhausted after all of it, you know. Yeah, that ring Definitely. ceremony seems to take a lot out of out of folks. So, Al, can we put you on the spot for a uh, a finals preview, or is that uh, <laughs> that come in conflict? No, I mean I, I can do it. I just sometimes I don't understand conversations in sports. You know, we haven't even played a game, and we're going to pick who the finalists are. I mean. I think it's the usual suspects, right? I mean, there's no reason to believe that Cleveland can't get back there, and there's no reason to believe with what they have that the Golden State Warriors get back there. So, you know, that's not bold or brave. It just seems no, almost no, logical. No, no, I think we're all, we're all heading that direction. Let me ask you this. Roll the clock forward into June. Let's say that happens, and let's say either team wins, right? Are we going to look back on this era and say, you know, we had the Celtics and the and the um, the Lakers in the Lakers, 80s. Obviously, yeah. the Sixers snuck in there in 82, but <laughs> – are we going to look back at this era and say this was the most? I don't know what the what the what the phrase would be, but but this was such a unique era where you have a back to back to back, basically the same team, with the exception of Kevin Durant, but basically the, these three these two teams going at it three times in a row. I mean, I don't remember dominance like that on either side, uh, you know, in either conference. I mean, I guess the Lakers in, in our generation, Lakers in the 80s, Celtics in the 60s and no, 70s. I think, it, I think it's happened a little bit more than you're remembering. I mean, you had the Houston Rockets era where they were really good. You had the Bulls era when they were really good. You had the Celtics and the Lakers when they were really good. You had the Pistons right. era when this they were really good. This will be the first time ever, though. It's consecutive three years for two teams. Yeah, you had uh, Utah to, you know, and Chicago back-to-back. Yeah, and you had a couple of back-to-backs, Lakers and Celtics back-to-back. But you've never had three, to my knowledge, you've never had three a yeah, back-to-back-to-back to back like that. Yeah. So that that would be a, a, an unbelievable. To me, historically, we'll look back and say, "Wow, that whoever wins, it doesn't even matter because it'll be two one." So it, it would just be a, a historical time in basketball. Well, the you know the fact the that team. the fact that the the Cavaliers you know had a first ever come from behind three one definitely gives the, the the matchup some extra juice. You know the Warriors so, on the uh, first one, the Cavaliers came back to take the second one, and now it's the third showdown. You know. Oh, yeah, the grudge match. So, Al, we, before we let you go and do our baseball and all that other business, 
one thing, not a prediction, but how fascinated are you to see Russell Westbrook this season, not only November 3rd against Durant and the Warriors, but just in general what he can do driving that Oklahoma City team, which we all agree is still a very talented roster. Do you think he gives us a close to an Oscar Robinson season, almost a triple-double? Do you think he can get them further than most think? How, 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 what do you see from Russell MVP-wise and you know, from the Thunder? Well, it's going to be tantalizing for him not to think that he's got to do it all by himself every time down the floor and put on a show. We're going to really understand his basketball IQ as this season plays out. If he finds a way to play at a very high level and include his teammates to the point where as a team they're competitive, then, then you have a real sensation. But if, if, you know, and it's really hard to judge sometimes, you know, how much about me these guys are. We're going to figure that out. Yeah. You know, the one, the one thing about awesome. the World Series, you guys are going to switch to, to baseball. Yeah. But Give us what you got. Just, just think that in every single one of these games, there isn't one person under the age of 70 who's ever seen their team win. It's unbelievable. I, I'll give you another stat, Al. If, you, if memories are formed around five, let's say, long-term memories, that means that you need to have been 100 and you need to be today 113 years old to remember the Cubs. There are four <laughs> such people in the United States <laughs> that are 113 years old it's a, that it's, can remember uh, the Cubs' victory in 1908. It's crazy. I think it's going to be it's, a really highly rated World Series. I mean, I just think that, I don't know. I mean, I'm, all of a sudden, I'm the biggest Cubs fan going. I, I want those poor people to see it already. Yeah. yeah I mean, it was pretty yeah, emotional crazy. Saturday night. I that was right. Yeah. No, no, it, was, it, it gave me goosebumps. And just hearing everyone sing in unison together, the stadium, it just, you felt like, you know, you, like you said, everybody was a Cub fan. I felt like a Cub fan, and I'm a Yankee fan, so. Yeah, and my, son, my, my son is a baby. photographer for Major League Baseball, and he's in the dugout at Wrigley Field uh, for the game. Oh, and wow. he he's taking it all in, and it gets to the ninth inning, and he's friends with a guy from Chicago who's also a photographer, and he's looking out onto the field, and he says, boy, this is epic. And he turns to his friend who was sobbing out of his mind. And he just said oh, it, was just an, it was just an amazing experience. So, You know, just one last thought on that. It, it, it also helps the psyche because, you know, I spent some time in Chicago, and they almost were resigned to the fact that they'll find a way to lose. Most teams start the season thinking they have a chance, and then maybe by June – July, August, they don't. But the Chicago fans, even if they did well, even if they found their way into the playoffs, they almost psyched themselves out and said, we'll find a way to lose. We can't win. It's in our DNA. You saw some of that with Red Sox fans up until 2004 when they obviously beat the Yankees and you know, did their thing. But um, it, just that loser's mentality was just so painful for me to watch, me as a Yankee fan, but it was just hard for me to watch people – that's what sports is all about. You have a chance as long as there's an inning left or a pitch left or whatever. But the Cubs fans said to themselves, no, we don't have a chance. So I'll tell you I'm what, glad. I don't know if you remember, but there was a fly ball in that game, in game six, that went maybe five feet from where Steve Bartman interfered. I thought it was a very mm-hmm. symbolic moment. I'm going to say it was the seventh inning. And here's another yeah. thing. Um, the 
times that I've gone to Wrigley Field and sat in the bleachers, the, the people that went to these games, they got so drunk, it was unbelievable. <laughs> and the same person that I went to the game with in Wrigley Field uh, sent me a text and said, you know what's amazing? No one's drunk in this ballpark tonight, which I thought was sort of interesting. Wow. You know, it was almost as if we don't want to be messed up for this. You know, we want to we want to experience it. I thought it was pretty cool. How funny is that? Yeah, exactly. It's pretty cool of you calling in, Al. So we really thank you and appreciate that. Oh, we always love talking sports, dudes. Thank you so much, Al. Well, we'll (laughs) we'll hopefully get you back. I know you get very busy between the Knicks and the Rangers uh, during the season, but we we always love to have you on the show. All right, boys. See ya. All right. Thanks, Al. All right. Take care, Al. Take care. Bye. That is awesome. Al Trotwig joins Ray and Tay on the preview show just to give you, you know, a little bit of insight. Ray, let's um let's do our awards in basketball and then we can uh we can move on give to our baseball. Standings. Well, you don't want to, you want to do the base let's do the baseball first. Come on, we okay. we Al left us there. We got Lester. <sighs> okay, the Indians to me they're, they remind me of the Royals, and I've just, you know, I've been saying Destiny is, is a beautiful woman in, in a sexy skirt, and you feel like the Indians are a team of Destiny. And are they both, the only though? Prob- no, well, let me, let me finish. The only problem okay, is... Okay, my fault. <laughs> I think... No, no, no. The only problem is I think Destiny and a little bit more talent falls on Chicago's ball team and ballpark, locker room, field as well. Um, I think Bartman, I think Theo Epstein, I think all of it. I think the curse of the GOAT is going down. I do think the Indians will be a little bit cold game one with the bats just because of the time off. I don't like Kipnis getting hurt. He'll play the ankle, you know, in the celebration. That's ridiculous. Um, I do think the this game will get this series will be a classic and get pushed to the limit because I think Andrew Miller is going to have a factor in three or four games. I they do like the Cubs ahead, starters. Though. I know. I, well, sometimes they'll be close or down by one, and they'll you know Francona's proven he'll bring them in. I just think at the end of the day, I feel like Addison Russell, Baez, Bryant, and Rizzo, they they are woke. They have awakened out of the abyss, and I think it's time. And I think Lester will start him off with game one. I think they'll split. But I think it goes seven. And I think the Cubs win 4-3. And I think the MVP is going to wind up being Mr. Lester. I think he's the horse. He does it again. Him and Baez were co-MVPs. This time it's just Lester. And he he gives uh, two hero performances probably four and five and who knows maybe i mean one and five i don't know if they switch it and go you know one four seven but we'll see but lester gets it done the chicago cubs yeah they announced lackey for so game four already so they're they're gonna okay so yeah they're gonna oh yeah lackey's four okay so yeah one and five and you know he could always come in relief like uh madison bumcottner and, and kershaw in seven i just think he's gonna he's gonna get two wins in this series so that's well, we're pitching game one, so that's that's definitely set up. So I love this Indians team, and especially after losing Salazar and Carrasco in the beginning of the season, this this team Amazing. is just a team of destiny. 
But if there's a team that is more destined to win, I don't think there could be one more than the Cubs. And you know what I like about the Cubs? Not so much this year. Obviously, winning 103 games is, is unbelievable. But it's last year. It's getting to the playoffs. It's losing that in little the playoffs. Think about, think about, you know, in the history of it happens more in basketball actually. So that uh, it would be right. fun to talk to Al about that. You, you, you huff and you puff and you knock down the door. So think about, you know, the the Chicago Bulls. But it just happened with the Royals. Boston the Royals were well, exactly. It. That's where I was going. It, yeah. And it happened last year with the Royals. The Royals did it. They lost in seven, and they came back and won. And then even even teams. I mean, there, there can be your one hit wonder, but even teams like our Yankees. Remember, '95. It took. We finally Don Mattingly. We finally played in a playoff game, and then at '96, we won the World Series. So that team that tastes it a little, especially young teams like the Cubs are tastes it a little bit, gets to know what it's like, gets to know what success is. And you know what? I still think at the end of the day, momentum is your next day starting pitcher. And when you can throw out Lester, Arietta, Hendricks, and then uh, the guy with <laughs> Lackey with all the playoff experience, you know, even more than John Lester, I think that's hard to beat. You're right, Andrew Miller might be the most lethal of all the bullpen weapons and his combination with Allen, but you need to be ahead. And I'm not sure that the that the Cleveland Indians are going to be ahead that often. So I actually think this is a Cubs series to win. I think they'll win relatively easily. I think they win 4-1. I think your boy Lester might close them out five. five. But, yeah, I, I, I really uh, do. I think that this is a team of okay. destiny, and they paid their dues by getting swept last year by the Mets, and, and this is their year to come out. And, and Theo Epstein goes right to the Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, give him his plaque immediately. Great, you know immediately. what? Immediately. And what about the subplots, right? Tito Francona for the Indians. With the Red Sox, and, yeah. And, and now, yeah, they meet up and again. And two great managers who go by gut, feeling, um, their own idiosyncrasies, they're great motivators, they they have their pulse on their on their roster in their clubhouse. This is going you're gonna see it's gonna be a chess match. I, I, I do think, I really do. I the Indians uh they're not going out like suckers, but we both agree the Cubs will win. Before we get to the NBA, real quick, we got Broncos tonight and Titans Jaguars Thursday. Let's make our picks. I'm going to say Broncos take care of business. Uh probably 26-17. I, I don't think Brock gets it done. Lamar Miller will play well, but I think the corners will just lock everybody down. It's 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 uh Brock's going to have a rude awakening coming back to my high. Defense, defense, defense. And the Broncos have it in spades. Brock Osweiler is not quite ready. He does not perform that well under pressure, and Von Miller will make it his personal mission to just make his life terrible. And even though you know they lost some of their pass rush, and obviously you know on the defensive line they're not nearly as good as they were last year, and, and Demarcus Ware um, may not you know be what he was in Dallas and certainly in the first couple of years in, in Denver, uh, but still too much defense. I, I still think Brock Osweiler can't do it, especially not in the road, on the road. So, yeah, same thing. I think the Broncos win. I think they win relatively easily, too. I think they win maybe by 10. 
Thursday night, I think the Titans take care of the Jaguars. Blake Bortles is, is really falling apart. I told you Gus Bradley will be gone at the end of the year. Um, I think Mariota, Murray, and Delaney Walker and Kendall Wright and the boys are able to win pretty easily. Look, Jaguars can always score points. I have a weird score, 31-22 Titans win Thursday night. I can't disagree with what you said. Uh, you know, I was never a Blake Bortles fan. I think he's actually regressed a little bit, and it's not because he doesn't have talent right around him. Maybe. I mean, he has a defensive guy as his coach, so, you know, does he need a, Does he need an offensive head coach? Does he need a Gary Kubiak yes. type? I don't know. I don't know what he needs. Maybe he needs a quarterback coach, a, a Steve Young, to get in his ear. Uh, but I'm disappointed. As much as his class is, you know, look at the young guys, Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. Uh, Jameis Winston had some up and downs, but I feel like, you know, he's falling behind those second and third year quarterbacks that came into the league around the same time so a little frustrated for Blake Bortles I know all the Blake Bortles fans out there are thinking this is his breakout year but I I, I don't know I'm not 100% sold and yeah and, and I like Tennessee I think I think they're moving and you know what DeMarco Murray I think running the football I think he was rejuvenated getting out of Philly and you know, remembering that was a great what it was trade. Like great play, you know, behind a good offensive line, and actually be committed to the run, and not, you know, whatever Chip Kelly was calling the run. So uh, I agree. I agree. I think they win also okay. relatively easily. I think it'll be a high-scoring game. I think they win by seven or ten. Okay, real quick before we get to the NBA, college football, Penn State with a shocking upset while we're all watching the Cubs. Bama one, Michigan two, Clemson three, Washington four, Louisville five. Ohio State drops to six. Nebraska, still don't believe it, seven. Baylor, eight. Texas A&M, nine. West Virginia, ten. Um, Colorado, huge upset over Stanford. They get their in-and-out burgers. Were you surprised Penn State's victory, although I told you JT Barrett's a game manager, should they have dropped further than six, or is six okay with you? I think six is fine, and you know what? In the big picture, it doesn't matter. All they need to do, quote-unquote, all, right? You still need to do it on the field. you just got to win your two games or three games before Thanksgiving and then beat Michigan, and you're playing in the Big Ten championship game, and you can beat whoever – whoever's on the other side of the bracket. Maybe. Maybe they don't beat Wisconsin or Iowa. Maybe not. We'll see. No, they'll beat them. They'll beat them. If if there's one thing we know that Urban Meyer can do (laughs) is coach in big pressure games. Maybe he can't coach in the whiteout at Penn State. No, he's a great coach. He's a phenomenal (laughs) coach. But they they got him. They, they, They got him. And you know what? Penn State has athletes, too. And they, on a block, on a block punt, they return it for a touchdown, kind of a freakish play. But you know what? Six is fine. They're still a top five team in the country. They're still a top three team in the country, frankly, Ohio State. They just had a bad day. And you know what? It comes down to that Saturday after Thanksgiving against Michigan, and they still have – they still control their destiny. That's all you want if you want to play for a national championship. Props to Oklahoma in that crazy, what, 66-59 game over Texas Tech with my boy Patrick Mahomes, crazy. Auburn gets the big win. LSU, Leonard Fournette running dudes over. I know you saw that. That was sick. They get a big win. Um, Just crazy. You ready for the NBA? Give me your East. Let's do it. Let's go. Let's go. um, Yeah, let's just – let's go one for one real quick. Not too much breakdown. Who you got winning the East? Cleveland Cavaliers, how could you take any other team? 
Yeah, Cavs number one. Who you got two? So I got the Cavs at one. I got the Raptors. I'll give you my top four. I got the Cavs, the okay. Raptors, then the Celtics, and then the Bulls. Mm, Bulls high. I have Cavs, Raptors, Pacers, Celtics. I love the Pacers moves. Going down to five through eight, what you got? Uh, you might find this a little controversial. I got the Pacers, the Pistons, our New York Knickerbockers at seven. And the team that I've been hating on, <laughs> I think they actually make the playoffs, the Charlotte Hornets. Wow. Well, Beating out the Wizards so and still, the Heat. Still all the Majersey tweets. Still all the Majersey tweet, but I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll let you slide for a minute because Michael Jordan's coming after you. I have the Knicks five. Um, you know, agree with Al. I think this team is pretty talented and pretty deep, and I think Hornacek's an underrated coach. I have the Hawks six because I think Howard and Millsap uh, and, and the team, Schroeder, is going to be a nice improvement. Pistons seven. Reggie Jackson's out for six to eight weeks, but then they'll be fine, and they're going to be dangerous. Bulls eight. And uh, for the for the dregs, uh, what do you got nine through 15? Oh, boy. This is for the lottery. <laughs> yeah. Talking about the Wizards at nine, the Heat at ten. Both teams that actually could make the playoffs if a couple things fall their way and they stay healthy. Yeah. Um, Jason Kidd had something going, but it went downhill. The Bucks at 11, the Hawks at 12, the Magic at 13, the Sixers at 14, and our former New Jersey, now Brooklyn Nets, round out the West. I think they'll be worse than the Sixers, 15, worst, worst 15 record in the East. East. Wow. Uh, wow, not too much respect there for um, the Hawks. Uh, that's a little surprising. So, okay, I have the Bucks nine because I do like their defense. I just don't know how they're going to score. You can't put it on Jabari Parker. Ten, the Wizards. Boy, have they and fallen, And Middleton right? went down, so that hurts. And uh, Magic 11, but they, they're they sneaky. They're very talented and have some nice veterans now. Hornets 12, Heat 13, too young but talented. 14, the Nets, and 15, the Sixers. Missing Ben Simmons for that time might hurt them, and I hope Embiid is good. Let's go out to the West. Give me your first four. How can you say the Golden State Warriors can win – fewer games than last year, but they will. They have to. I don't think they can win 74-75, right? Do they win 70? <laughs> Look, they're, they're, okay, Vegas has it at 66 and a half. What do you, they, they, uh, you take the over? I think over, over. 66. On 66 and a half, I'll take the over. Yeah. I mean, look, the yeah. oh, what was it? The 08 Golden State Warriors are uh, Dallas Mavericks won 68 games. So, no, 67 games. So, no, it's fine. Um, I think right, the Warriors do that. I think they win 67 to 70. So, Warriors and uh, changing of the guard, Spurs team at two, and somewhat underachieving Clippers team at three. Number four, people might have them way farther down. I think talent-wise, I think they'll, they'll score their way to the number four spot. Maybe not do well in the playoffs, but the Houston Rockets at number wow. four. Wow. You like James Harden at point guard, I guess. James okay, Harden is scoring. Yeah, I have Warriors 1, Spurs 2. I like what Al brought up because I'm concerned about this LaMarcus Aldridge stuff, but they're saying that they're, they're not going to move him, and it's just hyperbole, which i got to believe they got to keep him. Clippers 3, but I think, Blake Griffin, this might be the year. If everybody stays healthy, watch out for the Clippers. And Thunder 4, little shocking, but I think – I think Al hinted towards it. I don't think Russell's a selfish player, and I think he's going to get nine or ten assists and score close to 30. And I think you're going to see a close to Oscar Robinson, 
maybe almost MVP campaign out of this guy. Who do you got five through eight? So your team at five, I think I have the Thunder. At six, I have the Utah Jazz. That's right. Not your Carl Malone, John Stockton, Utah Jazz. (laughs) Your Gordon Hayward. Utah, Jordan Hayward, Rudy <laughs> Goldberg, Utah Jazz. Throw a little Derek okay. Favors in there. Uh, number Derek seven, your best player. Your Trailblazers, and good for CJ mm-hmm. McCollum out of Lehigh, signing a four-year, hundred million dollar deal for a Lehigh yeah. grad. Good for him. And then at I number eight, we've been waiting. I was going to pick the Grizzlies, maybe the Pelicans, maybe the Mavs. I'm going to say Uh-oh. that your Timberwolves, the team that what? 54% of the GM said you start your team with Carl Anthony Towns. Anthony and if Towns. this guy, Chris Dunn, delivers from Providence, then yes. they have enough talent, a lot of youth, enough talent. I think Tom Thibodeau for two or three years gets under their skin, but enough to play D, enough to bring that championship swagger. Timberwolves. Wow. Okay. Look at this, getting all excited the key, about the, the number eight seed that gets. Yeah, the, no, no. The key though there is the, the development. <laughs> no, you're you're right. It's going to be exciting. The key is the development improvement of Wiggins and Levine. They've got to both take the next level. At five, I have the Blazers. I agree with the backcourt. I like Evan Turner coming there. More ball handling, and some of their front court moves. They're sneaky good, and Damian Lillard is just just insane. I like the Grizzlies at six, and I'll mention them, but I think they've got a ton of talent. And Chandler Parsons with Conley, Zach Randolph is going to be the sixth man. He could be in the running for sixth man of the year, and Gasol's back. They're still very good. The Jazz, seven, everything you said. And then eight, I have the Rockets. I think Harden, their issue is still going to be defense. they got Ryan Anderson over there and Eric Gordon. I don't know about their health. Those guys never stay healthy, and they need shooting. But let's see where they go. Nine through 15, hit me with your best shot. All right. I got the Grizzlies coming close. The Pelicans with my guy, Anthony Davis, still a year or two away with the talent around him. The Mavericks at 11. The Nuggets at 12. The Sacramento Kings at 13. Mm. Your Phoenix Suns at 14. And unless Brandon Ingram is the next Tim Duncan, the Lakers at 15. Now, how you got the sun so low, player? Let me tell you something. <laughs> Chris and Bender, Tyson Chandler, they, they got some players there. And when you got Booker, Knight, and, um, Booker, Knight, and Bledsoe, if they can stay healthy, that team is actually pretty, pretty good. But I don't have them in the playoffs either, obviously. So <laughs> I was about to say, how good are they? They're not even so, I know, I know. So I'll tell you where they go. So for 9 to 15 for your boy Tay. <laughs> oh, man. The Dallas Mavericks, um, Bogan and Barnes, not enough. They, you know, you don't know what you're going to get from Darren Williams and Wesley Matthews should be better this year, but they, maybe they sneak into the playoffs. We'll see. The Timberwolves, 10, and I want them to be 8, just like you said. I just, I'm not saying they're going to miss Garnett, but I just I still think they're really young, and I think they've got to get Rubio out of there. You've got to give Chris Dunn the keys of the car. Rubio's got to get traded, and I think then you have a better chance. Don't trade Tyus Jones. Trade Rubio. 11, the Phoenix Suns, a lot of talent. This Chris kid could be up for Rookie of the Year. Um, I like Bender, Chandler, Alex Len should still continue to develop, and Booker is Booker is going to be close to being an All Star. That is a young shooting guard that is dangerous. I have the Kings twelve. 
you know, they're an enigma on top of Mount Everest. Who knows what happens there? The, the Pelicans are worried about their health and their depth, 13. 14, the Lakers, and at 15, the Denver Nuggets with the weirdest roster ever. They're, you know, but centers with the Doug same Moe name. But they've had these weird rosters. T.R. I know. I like Moutier. I, you know, I don't know Alex why English. they still, you know, <laughs> they need those guys. I still feel weird about Fareed and Gallinari and Chandler. It's just a weird roster. Okay, postseason predictions. We'll just do, you know, go down the categories. Uh, who's your MVP? So if there ever a year where, you know, arguably the best player and the most valuable player, you know, sometimes we have that argument, mm-hmm. um, Russell Westbrook, I just think that wow. his team is going to rely on him so much and he's going to deliver and his statistics will be off the charts. But usually so, it goes to somebody in the top two seeds or top three seeds. You don't you don't have them that high. You think does, they'll, they'll give it you know to them? But you know what? The Spurs will Everybody else will cancel each other Leonard, out. Yeah, with Leonard and, and Kawhi, um, Kawhi and Aldridge. And I think there'll be fatigue between Durant and Curry, obviously, and, and, mm-hmm. and, and Clay splitting, splitting off. Votes, so there's yeah. like MVP fatigue. What, you know what? Um, uh, LeBron has four, right? Steph has two, and, and Durant has one. So you have seven MVPs right there. So I just think they're going to give okay. it to somebody new. I thought you would have gone Harden since you have the Rockets for but okay. Well, I'm going to tell you this. My MVP is LeBron James, I think. Fifth. Oof. Okay. Easily, you know, leading them to the number one seed, 57 wins. And I just think he's going to give you another 27, 6 and 6, 7 Even and 7. Even though they might cut back his minutes. I do. I think because he'll get some more rest and, you know, he was Instagramming and Snapchatting and, you know, he was in Italy and everywhere over the summer. I think he really relaxed. Not playing in the Olympics this year is going to have him more refreshed. Watch. Okay. Rookie of the year. Who you got? Rookie of the year. Now, can he really be a rookie? Just like Ichiro (laughs) Suzuki was a rookie coming over from uh, Uh, from Joel Embiid. He wasn't drafted oh, I thought last you were gonna say year. Dario Sharik. <laughs> well, same concept, right? Same concept. Yep, but Joel Embiid, okay. I think his minutes restriction will will slowly be lifted, and I think by the first quarter of the year we'll see this guy that we saw at Kansas that we said, "Wow, this guy could be a really special big man in the pros." So you trust his feet. That's what you're I saying. Hope, you trust, I hope you trust that the we big don't have a Greg Oden, okay. Sam Bowie situation, but uh, I'm, hoping, hope not. I'm hoping. Okay. Well, I'm going Chris Dunn because I think if he doesn't get the nod opening night, they're probably going to start Rubio. I think it, it only takes 10 to 13 games where he's going to start because the kid has just got so much talent, and I think the team already wants to give him the car key. So Chris Dunn is my rookie of the year. Who's your coach of the year? The number three seed in the East will be Brad Stevens's Boston Celtics. And again, not Brad Lowhouse. Not Brad Lowhouse. That's old school. Shout out to Marv Albert. Stevens. Uh, You know what? I don't even like that roster. I really don't. I don't really like it. I think secretly you do. No, I don't. <laughs> Keith Smart and Avery <laughs> Keith Smart, Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley in the backcourt. 
I, you know, Brown uh-huh. is a rookie. I just, ugh, I don't, Kelly Olynyk. I like Jalen Brown. I like that roster. Hey, I listen, like Al, Al, Al Trowick likes that roster, and he, he saw it up close. That Boston team is talented, and Al Horford is a perfect match for and them. And Al Wait, Horford Olenek is, is back the only healthy. guy I like, and he's the ultimate role player. So, Brad. Stevens is going to take that team, work magic, win 55 games, and get the number three seed in the East. In the West, I'm going with the number three seed, and that is the Los Angeles Clippers. Our man, our guy, former Hawks and Knicks, Glenn Doc Rivers, the father of Jeremiah Rivers. Ah, I didn't even go not with Austin, the, with, Not only Austin, not Austin but Austin and Jeremiah. The father Jeremiah of Jeremiah okay. Rivers, the Georgetown guy. So I think Doc gets it done. I think this Clipper team, it, it's time. I like Mo Spates and Paul Pierce's last go-round and, and keeping Reddick and Crawford. And all you need is Blake and Chris Paul. And DeAndre, I think the Olympic experience will have helped him a lot. Who's your comeback player of the year? Comeback player of the year. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years, but I've always been hurt. So my comeback player of the year is Bradley Beal, who establishes himself as one of the elite two guards in the NBA, if he can get along with John Wall and stay healthy. But not enough to make the playoffs? Come on. How are you going to call him comeback if they don't don't, got him in the playoffs, man? Hey, right. He'll have great offense. It's hard for a two-guard, right? He'll do his job. He'll score 22, 23 a game. But wow. I, don't, okay. I don't think their roster's good enough. Well, I'm going to up your comeback, and he's been here for years, and he's ready to turn the corner where he should, and that's Blake Griffin. No more knucklehead situations, no more nothing. Maybe he cuts down even on the Kia commercials, and Blake Griffin gives you 28 Nine and five. Twenty-eight. I, I, nine, I mean, that's Carl Malone numbers in his I prime. Think, wow. I think twenty-eight, nine and five. Blake Griffin is comeback and probably five fourth or fifth. Would be amazing. Fourth or fifth in the MVP voting. He did the five assists in the playoffs. Remember a couple yeah, years ago? Yeah, he did. So he well, that was a short. That was a yep. short sample size. A small sample size, but yeah, you're yeah, right. Over eighty-two think, games, uh, a little different, but okay. I think it's gonna be good. Six man. It. Who's your six man? Who's your six man? Six man is usually a sexy two guard, a, a, a swing man, somebody that can score. But I'm going big. I, I have a theme here. I'm going big, Joel Embiid. Uh, my six man is gonna be Enos Cantor of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Stephen Adams is a starter, but I think Cantor comes in and gives them a little bit of juice. He gives them scoring. He gives them a little bit of you know energy, some defense. So I like in a class of, of kind of not outstanding guy, Brandon Knight. I was thinking about you know, and obviously Jamal Crawford's always a candidate. But I'm going with Joel Embiid. Uh, sorry, uh, Enos Cantor, the big fella. Okay, I got to stick with a big guy, but I'm going Al Jefferson because he'll back up Miles Turner. He'll come in, and that second unit, when they're not going so fast, they'll slow it down, and he'll get his bang-it-in post Peter Vesey on our show, black hole points in the post. And Al Jefferson is going to be a nice piece for the Indiana Pacers. Most improved poet on MIC. What you got? D'Angelo Russell. There's a reason this guy was drafted Ooh. as high as he was, number two by the Lakers. I think he's nice. And you know he's no a Instagram. I yeah. got a spot in no my Instagram. heart. No Instagramming. Hopefully, all that shenanigans behind him. He hit the big shot in summer league. He hit the big shot in summer league. Oh, so, you, you know, in the summer league. But D'Angelo <laughs> Russell, that's my guy. Okay, I got Zach Levine. 
That's all I got to say. It's it's time. Okay, real quick. Playoffs, Eastern Conference, Western Conference final, finals, and, MV, and championship. Let's do it. I got pretty similar to last year. I got the Raptors and the Cavs in the Eastern Conference finals. In the Western Conference finals, I got these underachieving Clippers with your boy, most improved Blake Griffin, against the Warriors. I have Cavs against the Pacers. I think the Pacers got the best free agency moves overall. And then I have the Warriors over the Clippers. NBA championship, who you got? How can you not take the repeat? You know, Warriors and Cavs. Got Warriors, Cavs. And you know what? The Warriors could have won last year. They should have won last year. If Draymond Green didn't go down in game five, maybe they win in five. Maybe they win in six. Uh but I think the Warriors win two out of three, so they beat the Cavs four to two. I think the Cavs are not as hungry. They won their championship, so Warriors win four two. I totally agree with you, and I want to pick the Cavs, but Kyrie and the block shot of LeBron, I, I just don't know if all of that can happen again. And I think Durant and Clay Thompson, I think this is going to be the difference. And the savvy veteran David West in the playoffs will be key. I still think having Iguodala and and Livingston are the two most important key pieces they needed still off their bench. So they have enough. I like them getting pressy. Zaza Pachulia is okay. But Steph Curry, he won't be injured. Warriors win 4-3 over the Cavaliers. This is going to be a great NBA season. We had Al Trowick join us. Mark Scott can't wait. <laughs> and you know what? I'm going to take the Knicks in the upset tomorrow night over the Cavaliers, baby. I'm going for it. I am going right. for it. I think it's going down. I can't wait. Are you ready for the NBA? Oh, on Friday we have to give Ray and Tay our fantasy basketball rosters. And, by the way, last night Ray took me out in fantasy football in our Ray and Tay Yahoo League only because he it's had overtime. <laughs> Jimmy, it was he had Graham and Fitzgerald. He needed ten points and he had nine, and then they go to overtime and Jimmy Graham just goes off and he beats me. Congratulations, Ray, you jerk! That was ridiculous. <laughs> oh my gosh, my feelings right, were a, hurt. Have a great sports uh, week. We'll catch you on Friday. Catch the Monday Night Football game tonight. Catch the NBA yeah, kickoff tomorrow. The World Series kicks off tomorrow. Big sports week. We'll see you guys on who Friday. Gets, who gets bigger ratings? Real quick, who gets bigger ratings? The World Series game one or NBA tip-off? No, both games or series, either game? The World Series. The World, World Series? series. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If this is football, well, it's on regular TV. It's on Fox. Maybe, but no, it's the World Series. Yeah, it's on – and plus, it's on Fox compared to TNT. But uh, it should be interesting. You know, I, listen, I'll be bouncing back and forth. And maybe you just DVR it all so you can watch them back, you know, later on in its entirety, you know, whenever you get a chance to do that. But it should be a great sports week. Look, we, Ray and Tay both have the Warriors, and we both have the Cubs. Thanks for listening, and thanks again to Al Troutwig for joining our NBA preview show.